Hello, my name is Anthony Hudson and welcome to my podcast, The Masterminds. Please join me as I bring interviews with some of the very best in the world of sports, from top football managers, club chairmen, sports psychologists, and the leading experts in the world of analytics, team culture, and leadership. Next up, someone who's at the very top of the tree in his line of work. He's an author and he's the chief football writer for the Daily Mirror, Mr. John Cross. My conversation with John was in a very loud restaurant in the West End of London, so please excuse the background noise. However, the conversation and the content was really insightful for coaches and for players. John, here we are in the West End of London. I've just flown in from uh, USA and, and I was listening to you on BBC Radio 5 Live this morning. So just tell us a little bit about your day. You've come from the radio this morning. What's your what's your, what's your, your typical day? Well, I, I'm not sure that there is a typical day really, but I must say on a Friday, there's often a press conference involved pre-match ahead of the weekend. Today I'm off to, off to Arsenal a bit later. Um, I have to say I haven't been there that, that much recently because Unai Emery, you know, isn't isn't a great interviewer, isn't a great talker to be honest, but the story is Arsenal. And so it's kind of more of the story really. Um but that that's often a Friday basically. Um my typical kind of week is is a couple of games. Uh, always try and get an interview a week. That's kind of my remit and, and with a column. The ma- with a manager? Or? No, generally, right. actually, with a player. I, um, it's kind of trying to um, trying to get something off, off diary, if you like, go and see a player. Um, it's always a battle, I have to say, for newspapers. I mean, the rights holders, you know, do, do, do very well out of Premier League clubs, I think. They're basically, they get good access, you know, players... The ones that have got something to say, I think, are always obliging and very, very interesting. Some some weeks it's a battle. This week I've actually got two in the bag for Saturday's Good. paper. So, um, yeah, Philippe Anderson and, and Nathan Ake for this week, um, for this weekend. So, yeah, yeah, I love talking to people about football and I just love talking to managers, players. You know, it's just so interesting. And I will talk, I will, don't get me wrong, I will interview managers, but when I do a manager interview I, I just class it as something that I, I'll go and see them away from the press conference a couple of weeks ago I sort of did uh, did a piece with Gareth Ainsworth who's at Wickham what an interesting character you know what you know made a really nice piece he's got so much to say such a good talker he's destined for big things in my view I'm going to come back to Gareth and and also I want to come back to Unai as well because I'm really curious about the foreign managers and and sort of uh, managers that don't speak great English in in the media because I think that's really... I think it's an interesting point there. Um, what, but what's your so? What's your objective? So you're you're meeting. Let's let's say we're talking about managers. So you have an interview with a manager. What's your objective? What are you looking for when you speak to a manager? If I'm doing a manager interview, so I'm doing an interview. I'll just look to try and get away from your your, your, your groin strains this week's crisis. Just trying to get a little bit of insight into them. You know, I, lo- I really enjoy it sort of talking to, to, to managers, try and get something a little bit a little bit different, um, where they're coming from, what what they've um, where, where they've been. I mean sort of I spoke to Sean Dyche not, not so long back and just try to kind of get a feel and a picture of what he's about 
as a manager you know kind of what makes him tick how he likes to relax what what kind of yeah, that, that sort of thing really away from kind of the thing and he's actually such an engaging character great sense of humour um, I went and did a piece with the opposite end of the scale Jose Gomez when he was at Reading obviously recently lost his job which I think was incredibly harsh on him what a, you know again an interesting character um, incredible career so many clubs you know and trying to find a way up from very you know, unremarkable, shall I say, indistinguishable, almost sort of, un, you know, um, not very spectacular playing career. So I guess you have to work your way up, really, and then it's that much harder. Um, but, you know, just trying to find out a bit about him, sort of, you know, what his philosophy is, what, you know, how he wants to play, that, that sort of thing, really. And that connection with the fans, I'm always fascinated. I want to know about the manager and how he views fans, how he gets on with the fans, how he wants to win them over. And that relationship with the fans, I think, is absolutely key to any manager's success. The best managers, in your view, that have the best relationship with the fans, um, you know, what do they possess? How do they how do they communicate to the fans? How do they connect with the fans? What's the best traits you've seen in the past? Without it being, because you, you can also be quite false, as we you know, you have to be, yeah. you have to be true and honest with it. What's what, what, what's your view on that? Well, uh, I guess at the very top, I, I would say um, Jurgen Klopp does it brilliantly. Liverpool fans. I mean, if there's a better fit, you know, for a manager and a club, show me it, because I can't think of one, really. Um, just the way that he sort of embraces the fans, he plays to the fans, doesn't he? You know, it's sort of kind of, it's almost theatre when he goes on the pitch at the end at Anfield, you know, basically, and just embraces it. But I'm also thinking of kind of sort of lower end, you know, Gareth Ainsworth, who I've mentioned before, you know, at Wickham, he just gets it, he understands it, he knows kind of what's it about and um, you know talks to the fans basically through the media talks to the fans through every interview that he does and I, I really like that I really really get that and so for example also Brendan Rodgers I think brilliant with the media absolutely fantastic with the media he's a shining example I think of how to you know make the media work what makes him good he, talk, he talks well he expresses himself well He's not afraid to have relationships with the media. Um, he plays good, attractive football. Um, the fans like it. The fans buy into it. And then he will talk, I think, to the fans through the media. But, you know, he will not be afraid to kind of, you know, strike up relationships uh, with, the, with the media and kind of... Um, really make it work for him because if you, if you know someone if you if you are you know if you like them if you respect them it's so much harder to criticise I mean don't get me wrong we will as journalists from time to time you know if you suffer a bad defeat of course that'll come but you think twice that's the issue you know so if you have a relationship with a player or a manager they have a bad day at the office you know if you don't know them it's so much easier to kind of criticise and sort of kind of not not give them a bit of context. If you know them, you have a relationship with them, you might know something behind the scenes that is basically, you know, it could be sort of, you know, just simple thing like he didn't have any money to spend last summer. And you, that, that tempers the way that you write about someone. So never be afraid, I think, to, to engage. Never be afraid to kind of, you know, really 
put both sides to the story, really. You know, I mean, it's it's interesting, isn't it? That basically, Southampton recently was a great example. Nine nil against Leicester. Now, come on, you, you've lost nine nil at home. You know, but actually, if you look at it, some of the some of the criticism was absolutely brutal and harsh. Some of the reporting has been quite sympathetic, in that basically Southampton have made mistakes along the way. They know that. But actually, if you get on well with the club and if you try and sort of make the effort with Hasenhutl, you might understand that basically they've had a couple of bad managerial appointments. I don't think the club would shy away from that. They've had some a period of bad recruitment. But actually, he's a good manager and I think that they'll survive. It might be by the skin of their teeth again, but it's going to be a difficult one. And I think you just offer that, you know, that, that, that kind of context. And if you compare that with... I know there may, you know, certainly and arguably a bigger club, Everton, for example. You know, I think Everton fans are, are fantastic. You know, Goodison is such a rocking atmosphere. But does the manager engage so much with the media? You know, is he is he so good with the media as, as maybe, maybe Southampton are? I'm, I'm not sure. And therefore, basically... Are you talking about the club or the manager or both? Bit of both, really. Yeah. I think I think Everton, as a club, are, are really good media-wise. Yeah. You know, they're, they're very strong in the community. They're very proactive, I think, PR-wise. Um, but I just get that sense that sometimes Marcus Silva's not, not quite so engaging media-wise. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, basically, you have to strike that balance. But I think you can see a direct comparison there between kind of Hasenhutl who's quite open, quite friendly, quite media savvy, as compared to Silver who can come across a little bit difficult, a little bit moody. I think if you if he were a little bit brighter in his personality, a little bit more giving, I think he'd get a little bit more understanding. And yes, it probably comes across as quite cynical, but actually I do think it works and it's just something to think about, just trying to be a bit a little bit more open, a bit more giving. It is I thought the, the bottom line for me, the way I see the media is, um, it, it's about connecting to the fans. It's about, it's yep. about you're talking to the fans. Yeah. Is it so important? So what you're saying about being open and being given, uh, giving and building a relationship with with, uh, with journalists, you know, you see managers uh, that are quite prickly and closed and like, is it? Is it really important to be open and to be like in in the end? It's about results, isn't it? Mm. Or do you really think that does buy you a little bit more credit or a bit more time or a little bit more favour? Um, I do. Th- I do think that basically, if you've got a legendary status at the club, then it immediately buys you a bit of credit. I mean, I do think there's a sort of a, a, an interesting comparison at the moment, really, with with say for Chelsea. You know Frank Lampard, who who's a, who's a legend with the club. There's so much goodwill behind him. He's doing so well. Um, you can pair that with last season, Maurizio Sarri, who, who basically didn't connect with the fans in any way. Um, and I think it was judged harshly as a result. I really do because you know they finished third, reached the Europa League final. It was win- a success. Absolutely, win a European trophy. Got to be a success. Got to be. But actually, he was viewed very. Negatively by Chelsea fans all the way through, all the way through. Absolutely, and that, that listen, that's partly because of style of football. You and I were, were, were talking just before we came on, didn't we, about kind of Chelsea and and style of play. Well, actually, if you watch Sarri in Italy, and if you watch 
the player, you know, the teams that he's created, they can be quite attractive yeah, and good, good to watch. Mentioned. They move the ball, don't they? They kind of, you know, they play, they pass. Yeah. You know, it's good. It's, I, I personally quite enjoy the football. So I, I didn't really understand that. And that all comes down to that fan connection. So and I think so it's so important, you know, how do you connect with the fans? You only can do it with, 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 with the media, really, nine times out of ten. Lampard is something special because he's already got that connection because yeah. you're playing with the club. Nine managers out of ten don't have that. And so the only way that you can connect and get the fans on side is through the media and your, your you know, media profile. So, so in your experience, there's, there's managers. Would you say that there's certain managers that probably don't uh, see the importance of being open and being being like you know I think Frank Lampard is great in the media I'm trying to think who else Pochettino is yep. brilliant in the media so there's certain managers do you think in your experience there's been certain managers that probably don't value the importance of, of having that relationship with media oh definitely um, you know I, I, I think that Lampard and Pochettino have got so much I mean look at Pochettino this season He's having a bad season so far. As we stand, you know, sort of sit here. He's, I think he's he's still in the lower end of the table, isn't he? Sort of bottom half, which is just unthinkable for Tottenham. But someone like me that still thinks he's a really good good guy and a good manager, just because it's media perception in a way. And yet, I would argue that Tottenham probably underachieving. But you, you, you know, you, that that sort of positivity. I mean, Mourinho is is, is an example because Mourinho was 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 at, at, at Chelsea twice and then basically the first time he had the media eating out of his hand because he was so successful the second time he obviously took a while to come again but actually you know did well again and then his fallout was spectacular but then you look at Man United who's so grumpy so angry his media messages were so negative that they actually in my view played a part in getting him the sack because he was so negative on the club the players the fans you just cannot do that but also I guess at the opposite end of the scale if you've got someone like Unai Emery at Arsenal who's without doubt struggling because he's struggling because of the language barrier and that's such a key issue for foreign managers to kind of make that themselves understood get their message across no one understands who Unai Emery is, let alone what his football is, let alone the identity of his team. And it's such an important, I think, part of, of, of the game to really have that kind of understanding and, and relationship with the media. Um, you know, it, it's absolutely vital, I think, to have a connection. Over the years, you watch uh, Premier League managers and you watch press conferences, and I've been amazed where you have foreign managers or non non English speaking managers in press conferences or post game interviews, and they're asked questions, and their response is completely different to what the actual. It's mm. not even in the realm of what the answer should be, yep. and it's because of the the, English, the the language barrier. Although I do think at times as well they <laughs> they can use that, which is clever. Emery certainly does. But I do believe foreign managers get a little bit of a pass on that. Whereas if a, a, an English-speaking manager is asked the same type of questions, and if they were to avoid or talk about something different, they'd probably get slaughtered mm. for it. Have you not, not you said in your experience with foreign, they, they, they you can get away with certain things because you you don't speak the language. You can dodge certain questions. I think you do at first, and I guess let's be honest here, not many managers get so much time that they can go from being 
completely, you know, novices at speaking English to, to being completely, uh, you know, really, really comfortable with the language. You don't get that amount of time, do you? I do think you get that amount of understanding. But if you flip it on its head, I think if you look at English players or, or kind of or British managers that have gone abroad, we, we, we cut down pretty hard on them if they go abroad and don't speak English, uh, sorry, don't speak the language, so in Spain or, or wherever, Italy, wherever it might be. We come down pretty hard on them if they don't do it, if they haven't mastered it within a year, because I think we view it as kind yeah. of, you know, yeah. not, not trying. I mean, look at you, you, you know, you're fluent in Spanish, you made a big, you know, big part of that, didn't you? You know, and immediately, you know, it gives you it gives you an advantage. And so I think it only buys you time, really. And so I think the sort of, the, the foreign managers come over here and I think they get an amount of time, but it, it, it doesn't last forever. But I do think they probably get that degree of understanding. So, so, so on that, so from a manager's point of view, if if he's getting asked tricky questions or questions that he doesn't want to completely, you know, face head on, you know, is it advisable? Do you see managers giving you a different response to the question you've asked, but and and talking at great length to try and fill the time? Are there certain little techniques and ways of deflecting? Deflecting, but but cleverly, you know, getting your message across without. Yeah, I th- I think if you know if you've had that disastrous defeat if you are looking to move it away I think to to almost throw what we call a line basically you know to kind of move the subject on basically to try and give them something away I, I do think that that's a it's a well used well worn tactic that and I do think it's probably incredibly advisable, you know, that basically you can you can get away with it. And you I mean, and you spot it straight away, didn't oh, you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that people I mean it's the classic, isn't it, that basically you lose and then basically then you're suddenly calling out one of the the, the opposition players for doing something you don't like or something like that. And you're basically immediately throwing the, you know, the sort of the press of bone almost to kind of make it a row about something else rather than the, 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 the defeat that you've just suffered, really. I mean, that's kind of quite extreme, but a lot of managers do do it. A lot of foreign managers, I always think, if they don't understand the question, then they're kind of, they will just talk randomly about anything, really, sort of kind of. I mean, if you look at sort of Emery again, he's an example that if he doesn't understand the question, rather than sort of asking to clarify, he'll just go off on a tangent. And he'll just sort of kind of talk randomly about something. And it's just, it's so frustrating, but that's opened him up. That will last only so long. I think that's opened him up to criticism, criticism in its own right, and that basically, I don't know that, that, that you can get away with that for, for very long because people see through that. So it's a, the diversion tactic rather than sort of kind of deflection tactic, I think. And, and what about press conferences? So um, I, I love press conferences. I love watching them, following them. Sort of certain managers, obviously, obviously myself. You know, I love press conferences. So from a journalist point of view, you, you come in after a game. What's your are you working with other journalists to try and, you know, is there a, is there a, some type of strategy around questioning? Is there a, is is someone going to soften the manager up leading up to the big question? How does that work? With well, journalists? I've always so if you if you take a sort of a, um, an England game as an example, um, 
then you can kind of see it from, from both sides. So if we see Gareth Southgate, who is absolutely fantastic with the media, for, for example, and so he's he's terrific. We have a great relationship with him, got him really well, and you know, whereas some managers, it's been strained in the past. Um, you know, it's been difficult, I think, sort of kind of, whereas Gareth Southgate is the kind of the polar opposite of that. And then basically he's built up a lot of credit in the bank because England are doing well. And so we will say, for example, you go into a post-match press conference and uh, talk about um, the game just gone. I'm always of the view, and whether this is me or someone else, that the first question should always be about specifically about the game. Just, just a completely open question about whether you've won or lost or drawn. You know, what's your view on the game? So, if you've suffered a, you know, a bad defeat, just be courteous. You know, and say, basically, disappointing defeat, or, or you know, must be difficult result to take. What was your view on the game, please? And it's just, I just think it's, a, it's an, it's an easy way. Um, to get into it and then you can ask about the red card you can ask about the dodgy penalty afterwards you know basically as, as it goes on I, I do think there should be a thought process on it, on it and I think generally there is with journalists you know you do go into it you don't want to kind of annoy the manager with the very first question it's poor if you do because the manager will get annoyed with it with a you know confrontational question shut down and then you've lost you know you kind of uh, chance to get, in the, get get any insight, any decent quotes from it. I don't think in in that scenario we particularly have a plan of attack. We just think about it individually. If someone hasn't asked about the question, you know, the penalty just gone or the red card, the next person will do, and you just kind of go around the room. What happens about that is that basically you get them in that live press conference that finishes, and then we'll see Gareth Southgate afterwards. Um, and you know he's very good, he's very obliging, and we do a sort of a bit of a follow-up thing with him, particularly after you know if you have back-to-back games, then after the second game it's a period of reflection. And then on that one, I wouldn't say we have a plan of attack as such, as if to break him down, but we do often talk about what should we get him on, what should we move him on to. So I'm thinking after England played Kosovo with St Mary's. Um, a few of us basically said, look, we've got to ask him about forthcoming games, about the issue in, in, in um, Czech Republic, game on the Friday night, sort of the fans, will that be an issue? The game in Bulgaria, are you worried about racism? So to that end, you know, we might ask him also about a player, you know, if a player's been an issue, for, for example, you know, a player might be struggling for form. We thought about it, we've given it some thought. Um, and then I think you know that the manager then, if he's if he's wise, if he's cute, he, you know he, he can give a bit more of a considered answer. So I do think there's a real definition or a sort of kind of difference between that kind of you know post-match press conference and a little bit more considered kind of media briefing as we often call them afterwards you know and 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 in that you're looking you're basically looking for you're looking for a headline you're looking for a story yeah i mean it was it was it was interesting that um after after kosovo when sterling was was was, was sensational i think the kind of the spreads were We'd asked him about, from memory, we'd asked him a fair bit about Sterling, just where he is in the world sphere, if you like. 
and, and Gareth was fantastic on him, sort of kind of said, it carries on at this rate, you know, he's going to be touching Messi and Ronaldo one day soon. And so there's your kind of your inside piece, if you like. And then the news stories about Bulgaria, it's about sort of Czech Republic and the, and the kind of the, the pressures or, the, you know, challenges that that might bring England. And so it proved, to be honest, um, you know, I mean, Gareth was clearly knew what he was saying. He was clearly of the view that I want to get it out there and that basically I hope then that it will be a warning to England fans to behave themselves in the Czech Republic. And to be honest, they weren't too bad. I think we feared the worst. I think they're going into those two games, if they were more concerned about the Czech Republic and the Bulgaria thing. But as it panned out, obviously Bulgaria was more um, more of a powder keg, shall we say, because of the racism and the racist chanting, really. So, you know, I think it's important, you know, that, that basically... That's obviously at the very, very top end. But I think the, the general advice is that if you've got a message to get out there, say, you know, to back a player or to kind of, you know, to urge the fans to get behind the team, really think about it before that press conference. Think about the message that you might want to say. It's incredibly difficult post-match because you might be, you know, wound up by the emotion of the game, win or lose. I just think if you can take... You know, just two minutes to just calm down and just try and sort of measure your thoughts. If you've got a message there to get out there, I think it's really important. I think the other thing is, not everyone is, you know, going to have a press officer or a director of comms, but you know, some do. That that relationship has got to be so strong. Work with them, and basically, and, and the kind of the best, the best director of comms, the best press officers, absolutely make sure that the manager stays on message, says the right thing, that they control the room. And you don't have to completely control the media, but basically just make sure that the manager's in a good place. And that relationship is absolutely crucial, I think. So this weekend, let's just say Arsenal don't get a result, mm. OK? How, how can Unai, after the game, how can he prevent more chaos than, than what potentially be coming through his uh, press conference after the game how can he how can he calm things down as much as possible is there a strategy for him what should, he, what should his messaging be well here's the thing I do think that basically that, that opportunity is perhaps arguably gone and I think if they suffer a big defeat then it will be it will be more pressure and it's it's hard to know where you can kind of you know rein it but back. But he could in. make it worse, couldn't he? He, he could, could make, make it, it worse. worse. And listen, the point is that I think he's probably made it worse this week, and that's a good example. You know, has he handled the Granite Jacket situation well? No, I don't think so, because he's let the player. I think he's let the player down there a bit, really, because the fans have really got have got to Jacka and they've got you know they've got inside his head and they've given him a, a really difficult time and the players had a meltdown I'm not condoning it but I think it's understandable but rather than really back the player I thought he did okay immediately afterwards Unai basically sort of said like he, he did wrong you know I, you know I apologise I think in the next few days he should have acted swiftly to try and almost lance the boil get you know, allow Granit Xhaka to get out there and say sorry, allow him to issue the statement very quickly. Instead, it was allowed to fester. 
that then becomes an issue not just for Xhaka but also for Emery because basically it, it makes the fans turn against Emery because he's not dealing with it and, that, that, and that's the issue and then basically they keep on suffering disappointing results and so I just think that, that with Leicester how can he how can he rein it back he, he can, he's got to be on the front foot in my view so if they do suffer a bad defeat he's got to go on the front foot and say look I can still turn this around I can still you know we can still finish top four this has been a bad day but we can still turn it around he's got to be strong he's got to be emotive not just kind of wishy-washy waffle and that basically try and convince the fans that you've got you've got something about you and that you've got a message and you've got an identity and that you've basically got something there that can kind of turn the season around otherwise you know another disaster looms and that 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 is so important in that basically it can define you from being you know a complete failure after a bad defeat into someone who's absolutely going to put this right it's the polar opposite and that is the that is the difference between kind of going into a room allowing that room to kind of annoy you and basically get wound up by the moment just take two minutes and actually have a message a strong message incredibly difficult after you know you probably bruised the nerve after defeat but it's so important I think John if you were a manager Knowing, having had a, an unbelievable career as a journalist, so if you're a manager today, mm. how would you deal with the media? How, how would, so? Let's just say you're having a bad run of results, yeah, and, the, and you, it's emotional, and it's been tough, and you're getting attacked. What would you advise to yourself as manager dealing with after a couple of bad results? Well, knowing what you know, I think it's. Inc- I think first and foremost, I think it's incredibly important to have a good relationship with the media. So I think that that has to start before the bad results. So it starts from day one. So whether that's, you know, just at any level, it's basically just having a chat with the guys, you know, having a personal relationship. Don't be afraid to do that with with kind of, you know, whether it's a local paper, whether it's someone who covers you regularly on the national. Just don't be afraid to do that. I mean, you know, even at the same level of Tottenham, if you look at Pochettino, engages the room. He'll make a bit of small talk with someone. He'll do, you know, he'll try and sort of use a bit of charm. It just buys you a bit of credit in the bank. And it buys you a bit of understanding as well because you're more you're more open to kind of understanding and, and, and kind of taking on board a bit of context. And that in that basically if you, if you if you know beyond the scenes that the chairman's not back the manager, or if you know that the, you know I mean, there was an example, really, a couple of years ago at Stoke, you know, basically Mark Hughes is having a desperate time at Stoke. I just felt that that was allowed to drift, really. And Mark Hughes, who I think is a good manager, sometimes doesn't engage with the media that well. There's, there's no doubt about it, in his final season at Stoke, where, he, where he'd done well, he really had done well, but people forget that. In the basic, his final summer before, obviously, the, you know, before the last season in charge, the club put all the money into the stadium, and the, and it's basically, I, I, I just so surprised on a national level that basic people couldn't get their heads around that, 
in the bank. He wasn't allowed effectively to improve the squad because all the money was gone in the stadium. But just a simple bit of messaging. I know that because you basically do a bit of digging behind the scenes. But that's not from the manager. And so I kind of think that's what I mean by sort of say content. And if you've got a relationship with, 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 with people and get on with people, then that gives you that opportunity to say, do you know about this? Do you know about that? That 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 relationship, I think, is so important. Nowadays, though, like, you know, the, the Mark Hughes situation, mm. I mean, that, that doesn't... If you get that messaging out there, that doesn't... Does that buy your time nowadays? I think, I think if you do it in a discreet way, and I'm not saying that you basically come out with it in a press conference or, or kind of... But you just do it with... You know, sometimes personal relationships. I think it does. Yeah, I think it does. Can buy you a bit of understanding, and you know, and a bit of time. And you know, I mean, it's it's always fraught, isn't it? I mean, we you know we were talking before about kind of you know um, you know I'll, I'll, I'll be open about it. Roy Hodgson, you know, Roy Hodgson when he was England manager, you know, we we got on well with Roy, and people don't understand that. And basically, it was sort of kind of frustrating afterwards. Because obviously it didn't didn't go that that well in 2014, and then 2016 was 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 the one basically we were getting on well and kind of you know you could have kind of you know lunches coffee or whatever and kind of you know built up a relationship and understanding a working relationship and it was good, and then you lose to Iceland and then it all and it all kind of you know falls apart and that and and I guess that's gone so that's the sort of the extreme sort of version of it so relationships will only buy you so much I do think that they are definitely worth having I go back to Brendan Rodgers I think Brendan Rodgers is very very clever at, at, at building up relationships and building up a bit of understanding building up a bit of kind of you know back and forth bit of banter in the room and he just enjoys it and he enjoys the media enjoys the media circles and he makes it work for himself and I think he really does it to really good effect Right, you're you're now a manager. You, you're saying relationships are important. Yep. What, so what else? What else would you advise advise yourself? Well, I think that, I think that the, the relationship is incredibly important. Really, I always always think also just be courteous. I always think kind of you know if you can get on well with people, even if a journalist is being completely the going the other way and disrespectful because there is situations where that mm. does happen where they, then it gets personal and so how would you deal with that is, is there a is, is it a case of you just you don't even go there when it comes to yeah I just if that journalist is kind of really is, is influential in, in that paper or in that medium or, or kind of you know wherever it might be in, in, in reporting and kind of in the way that you are then perceived in public then that is a potentially really damaging situation. And I'm totally aware that that can happen. You know, it can be a really poisonous, difficult atmosphere. And I think the very last thing you can do, you should do, is make that relationship terminal. Um, and by that I mean kind of... I'm not expecting you to kind of be incredibly charming and be sort of friendly and have them around for dinner. But equally, just stay polite and just stay professional. And I think the worst thing you can do is kind of really have that have that fallout, which which you know kind of defines you, because that criticism and that relationship is only going to get worse. And and that's the issue really. And, and 
I'd like to think I'd never been that. Because I think, as, as a journalist, you should, ne- you know, you should never make it personal. You should be completely subjective. I think it's it's bordering on the unprofessional when you've made it personal. But I'm totally aware that, that some people will view that differently, and that basically it becomes personal, and it becomes kind of you know red hot in a press conference, and it can become very argumentative and very confrontational, and that's the last thing that you need, I think. Yeah, yeah. What about social media, John? What's your views on social media? <laughs> I go nowhere near it. As a as a manager. Yeah. Yeah. Nowhere near it. I just think you know I think Frank Lampard used to be busier than he is now, but he probably doesn't have the sort of time, but. I, I, I just don't think it's worth it, really, because yeah. what's the point? It's so generic and it's so neutral. What's the point? And I just think that, you know, if it's, if it's you know, I mean, I, I remember it, it, it used to go down well when, when, when he first started and Arsenal fa- fans were singing in the sort of the October, we've got our Arsenal back. You know, when when Emery's there, sort of posts a picture of himself clapping the fans and says, "Come on, you gunners!" Well, the fans love it, don't they? But what did the, what will they react then? Basically, you lose three 0 you know, and he's sort of kind of clapping the fans their way support. What's the point? And so, basically, don't you know, just be be level. I just don't see the point in it. I think it's much more important to kind of get your message across. On radio, TV, and, and, and you know, and in the media generally, about kind of trying to get that message across to 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 the fans, because then you're judged, all things equal. Fans really don't want to see you on social media after you've lost, and so don't don't then try and milk it when you've won. Yeah. You know, you kind of got to be level. But I just think that it can open you up also to a world of pain. I'm not going to castigate, you know, I'm in, I'm in the media, so I don't want to kind of be seen as someone as saying, don't do media like social media. But equally, I just think there are going to be occasions when you're feeling wound up and you can get yourself into trouble. Have you seen situations like that? Social um, media? <sighs> trying, to, trying to think of a good example, but I think more players. I think players can, you know, get themselves into that. And I think it's a fine balance for the players, isn't it? Because they want to be out there, they want to be, you know, have that connection with, with the fans. It's easier for players. I think with, with, with a manager, you know, can, can you really do it? I think some of the sort of the... I'm not sure. I don't think it. I don't think it particularly works. So, so what would be the motive of? I mean, Unai's quite big on social media, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I guess it's it's forming that connection with the fans. But can you really do it? You know, with with with, with, with sort of kind of social media, I'm not sure you can. And, it, and it's one of those where if if you do it, you've got to be consistent with it. You can't do it when you're winning yeah, and stop. Yeah, but also fans don't want to see that defeat. Yeah, they don't want to yeah. see the clapping the away fans. And I think for for, for Unai, it, it it feels so frustrating because that first season, finishing fifth after succeeding Wenger after 22 years, yeah, and reaching the European final, that's not bad. But actually. Because he didn't have a connection and an understanding with the fans, and the fans don't really get him, I just don't. I think he, I think he missed out on some credit that he deserved that he probably built up, and that's a big issue for him. I really, I really think so. That's a, it's a, it's a big problem for him in that basically he deserved a bit more credit than he actually got. 
Is this? Uh, do, you, do you think that this is a, a British thing that um, he's not had a connection with the fans? I don't know what it was like in Paris. Do you think they were talking about the same sort of things? Yeah, there? dreadful. Yeah, he had a dreadful relationship, relationship with the media. Really. Um, and I think it was again partly a language thing, and I think it was partly he doesn't always get the media. It doesn't make the media work for him. Um, I don't know whether that's he should have better sort of kind of you know sort of kindness people around him the Arsenal people are very good but I just think that basically if he's not learning the language if he's not then breaking down that barrier but it's, it's definitely an issue for him in right. Paris with the media he didn't have a very good understanding um, with, with, with the media and therefore when basically results or bad things come then basically again the turn on it, it's so frustrating with, with him because he he did, when he was unveiled at Arsenal, he'd obviously had a long run-up and time to think about his, his first press conference. And he did it in English, in front of the cameras. And he spoke quite well, and we thought, hmm, his English is much better than we thought. But actually, here we are, sort of 18 months later. It's, it's gone backwards, if anything. But also, equally, a few of us went upstairs and spoke to him sort of in the director's lounge and did it through an interpreter. And his, his language then, because he did it in Spanish and then being translated, was so much more expensive, so much more colourful, so much more, you know, you knew what he was about. I remember him talking, explaining his philosophy, explaining how he wanted to see his team play. And you felt that enthusiasm from him. And you felt that, yes, he wanted them to press. Yes, he wanted them to close down. You got that energy and that buzz. Well, if we had that from his English press conferences absolutely not and, and that's the issue and I go back to that kind of Chelsea comparison because with, with, with Sari for example you know Sari couldn't get his message across Sari never got the difference I think in the way that fans in Italy interact with the team and with the management and with the players to the difference of the closeness of the, that you get with the English fans and the English media and the you know English game in general and I don't think Sarri ever understood that in fact he almost thought the fans were almost the enemy because he went on collision course with them after collision course and it was just so destructive for him and I think ultimately he didn't really ever get, kind of get it and he didn't embrace the English way the English culture and I think that that, that was ultimately the hurdle that, 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 that did for him because up until May I think he was in two minds whether to stay or not but then he thought, well, it's not working, so I'm going to go back. Why didn't it work? Because of a lack of connection with the fans. He finished third and won a European trophy. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's it's just, was, it was a great season, wasn't it? Of course it was. Back of, yeah. of course it was. And it, it's that, it was absolutely his, at the heart of that, of that failure, or perceived failure. Because, you know, he left his shores. Perceived with people failure. saying, Yeah, absolutely. With people saying he's a failure. No, he wasn't. But it's because of his... You know, didn't have a great relationship with the media, didn't have a great relationship with the fans as a result. It's, it, it's massive. You can't. It's amazing. Yeah. I can't. I can't underestimate that. And, and he was. He was. Uh, what, what I found with Sari. Look, I, I love Sari. I love his style mm. of play. Me too. What he did with Empoli, Napoli before he came. Uh, like his teams play good football. Yeah. But when he was with Chelsea, I was just scratching my head at why he used to get so much stick. And uh, and he and it, it was always there was a lot of friction, and it was always looking like he was frustrated with the with the media and everything. But what I actually liked about him. He was always honest. Yeah. Like he, he told it like he it, like it was. He said it like it was. Yeah. And I think that at times probably got him in some 
deep water with certain situations. I mean, he, he was brutally honest at mm. times, wasn't he, about his players, about results, about certain situations. Yeah, yeah I, I do think he put himself on collision course with the players. I mean, I'm trying to think of a decent example, but, uh, you know, he, he dug out Barkley early on, you know, and Barkley must have been thinking, what, what have I done? Didn't really explain sort of the absence of Gary Cahill, who I, you know, think is a good, good defender. And that, by not doing that, I think that basically you immediately raise more questions. It probably alienates Cahill a bit, but also causes you an issue in the dressing room. And the basic players are wondering. So that that lack of communication, I think, was massive. But the biggest thing of all, really, was the fans. Just couldn't get the importance of the fans and the kind of that relationship with the fans as it is in English football is massive and I think it's far more you know important you know that connection between manager and the fans in England than it is perhaps yeah, the yeah. board it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's huge so John just to finish the, the, mm. the, what are the best uh, managers or you have to name names but the best characteristics of managers that are able to connect with the fans, use, use the, the media as a vehicle to, to speak to the fans, get them to know who you are. You know, what are the, what are the best characteristics of managers in the past that you've worked with that, that have that? Oh, I think that you, you want to be open, you want to be friendly. I think it's vital as a manager that basically we, we will always, I think, as a, as a group, as a collective, as journalists, will always be looking for kind of, you know, if, if a player's made a terrible mistake, an error in the game, we'll always ask. And I guess, you know, the, the manager never, ever wants to kind of, you know, criticise individuals. Um, that was just one key thing that I was going to sort of make point because I think that basically the best managers avoid it. The best managers avoid getting personal, getting personal with their criticism. But also, I just think that that at all costs, at all costs. Yeah. Because if you dig out that player, yeah, you, you've lost that player. You know, it's. Um, I, I just think if you look at someone like Fergie, he just didn't do it. Just didn't do it. It was like as, as frustrated as he was. Unless that player is gone, unless that player is finished, in a way, then do it. You just won't criticise you together as a group. I think the best managers can offer an anecdote to diffuse, can offer a headline, that sort of a sound bite. Ben was brilliant at that. You know, just a funny little line. You know, um, and he did. Have the press was, it, was, that, was that a natural thing? Or was it, was it, it was a natural thing, but you could see that the grin take over his face as he was basically saying, like, I don't know, what, what's a good example? But basically, you know, he, he was being asked about sort of his rivalry with Fergie. And Fergie had said, you know, Man United's still got the best team. You know, basically, Wenger doesn't agree with this, but basically doesn't want to come and get sucked into a, into a big row. So what's the way around it? He basically, with a huge grin on his face, basically says everyone thinks they've got the prettiest wife. And it's just like, it's just, it's a headline, isn't it? And it's just, it kind of takes it away, it diffuses the row, and he'd have a quip and a line for every occasion, basically, you know, win, lose or draw. Um, and he, he could lose his, he could lose his rag, but basically, generally, bearing in mind the pressure and the scrutiny that he was under, he was always kind of good, good natured. But it's, the, it's, the, it's those personal relationships, I think. It's the friendliness, it's the courtesy, it's the, 
you know, don't keep people waiting, don't kind of be horrendously late. If you are, apologise. It's just general, natural, you know, the, the common courtesy, I think, of it can buy you so much time and credit in the bank, really. And, and what about your actual messaging to the fans? Well, I think that that above everything is, is the most important thing because if you allow yourself to kind of be negative towards the fans, you, you use the media, see the media as your, your opportunity to speak directly to the most important people of all, which is the supporter base, you know, basically. And that, that's the issue for me. Some, some managers will view the media as the media. Don't view it like that. If, you know, if you're feeling yeah. negative about it, don't say, oh, you know, I've had enough of the media, I'm sick of talking. Because you're not, just don't view it like that. View it as that basically they are your messenger to the fans. And that basically it's so important to kind of have a positive, you know, be on the front foot, have a strong, good, defiant message to the fans. It's your way of supporting, you know, a, of a club, getting on the right, the right track. And I just think if you look at the, the managers who are struggling, then it's just... It's just common sense, isn't it? That basically, if you get your message across there in a positive way, it's just so important. You know, polar opposites is 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 Maurizio Sarri struggled, you know, with that. Just didn't want to connect, connect or engage. Frank Lampard knows what he's doing. So intelligent, so clever at what he does, and he's, he's using using the media and using the fans in a positive way absolutely you know he's so good at it he's talked so well and and those are sort of the, the two examples really you know have a have a quick have a sort of a kind of you know come courtesy have an anecdote you know to, just I think the best manager should always be ready with a sort of kind of comparison or something you know is is the best ever sort of kind of is this the you know compare it to a really good victory before you know whatever just just have a line I think and the kind of you know you can use that in a good occasion or a bad occasion yeah yeah John I'm fascinated by this I think when, when I see when managers get labelled and you get a label put on you it's so hard to remove that label when I look at people like say like Sam Allardyce mm. I have so much respect for him he's had such a successful career and he, even there's been time you know, I used to watch West Ham play and mm. there were games where actually they play good football mm. by the way they play some good stuff but he never get he would never get credit for that I never get people would never see that or no. talk about it but so okay so so someone like Sam Allardyce or, or certain managers have sort of labels put on them can you nowadays in football is it even possible to change a label once it's on you like that? Well, the one thing I would say about Sam Allardyce is that basically I thought it was harsh from Bolton days when he clearly assembled a team that actually played... Played great football, played yeah. Played great football yeah. and great... J.J. Gotcha, I mean, it's yeah, just crazy. Yeah. Super. Campos. You know, absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just ridiculous, you know, the players that they were able to attract and, you know, get there. But I think the bigger... The bigger thing that I thought really intrigued me and that got my attention was when he, when he was talking about that and he got irked, didn't he, by the sort of kind of people saying, oh, when are you going to play the West Ham way? He would allow himself then to talk about it so much that basically, because it annoyed him, that actually he was talking to the issue. And so the issue was just being going round and round and round because he was defending himself against it. He was talking about it so much... It became bigger. Yeah, 
And so basically, you're right. Yeah, some of the West Ham performances. But if you if you if you allow yourself to talk about it, and you are going to get asked about it, so I'm not I'm not saying you know Sam Allardyce actually you know good with the media generally, um, despite absolutely everything because you know sort of he's it, it, definitely had sort of you know some confrontations some crazy ups and downs. But so how how but best by, should he respond to that? How could he have dampened that down? How could he have changed the narrative around that? Could well, by not talking about it quite so much, in a way, and trying to focus on... Because he, he you could see it annoyed him. And so rather than kind of talk about, you know, kind of the good football that they've played through midfield, you know, he was then... He was aggressive and negative in a way. And so he's basically he's ridiculing the fans or ridiculing the people and the media that basically were saying, what about the West Ham way? And he was almost allowing himself to kind of be sucked into that negativity and that negative message. Whereas I think if he if he's flips it and basically talks in a positive sense, then I don't think he kind of get sucked into it. I mean, blimey, it must be incredibly tough because, as you rightly say, it, it was, you know, I do think the West Ham played actually good, decent football. But because you lack that, you know, that, that, that basic that balance I think that was the frustration so after this you go press conference press conference today yeah press conference see you in Iamry so it'll be interesting this is a big one it's a really big one because I just think that and again this is what this is how you know he should be using it the press conference to kind of be positive and try and change the mood a bit to try and actually lift the negativity which is definitely engulfing Arsenal right now and if he if he can't get that message across let's see how it pans out but then the mood will be negative the mood will be downbeat because I'm convinced of it that basically if you've got an upbeat manager if you've got a manager that, that gets a message across that influences the players the players in the dressing room will read and see it's so important and it's, it's not just about you know being seeing it as in the media and what the you know the negative media and and, and, and so on it's about getting your message out there it's yeah. about getting the message to the fans but also to the players and to the club and you've got to use that and you've got to use it wisely it's so important your media profile the best managers have a great media profile you know, I mean, you know, various opposite ends of, of, of the scale. You know, some of my favourites are like Carl Robinson is a great example. Brilliant, you know, at communicating. And yes, he, he can be a bit combustible sometimes, you know, excitable, you know, really like him. But, you know, he, could, he, he, he could, frankly could have a row in an empty room. But equally, he's really good when he needs to, to get a message out there. And I, I, I think he's a good example. Gareth Ainsworth's another great example. Lampard, Rogers, you know, that's about yeah. getting your message out there, getting yourself under, understood. You know, Mourinho used to be the master of it as a foreign manager. Absolutely fantastic. Klopp probably is now. Um, and that that's about getting the fans on board. Klopp has, you know, somehow got Anfield as the 12th man. He's got that stadium. That stadium will make the world a difference in key games, and it does. Yeah, yeah. So today's a big one for Unai. Yeah. Big one. Yeah, let's see how it does. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah, it's up, man. Thank you so oh, much. Oh, mate, no, pleasure. Pleasure. pleasure.